The U.S. is, as ever, paying close attention to rising tensions in the Taiwan Strait. In the latest, American National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan met with top Chinese official Wang Yi, where he stressed that Washington would abide by its bedrock One China policy and the Taiwan Relations Act. Meanwhile, General Mark Milley, the chairman of the U.S. Chief of Staffs, said the outcome of the Russo-Ukrainian war could affect the way tensions in the Taiwan Strait play out. China's main active duty drone, the CH-4 Rainbow, on Thursday entered Taiwan's ADIZ from the northeast and circled Taiwan in a clockwise direction. This is the third time for a Chinese drone to fly close to Taiwan in half a month. Responding to China's increased military intimidation, the annual Hanguang military exercises this year are focused on anti-landing drills. However, national defence needs to be strengthened and civil defence is even more important. Each person should have a pocketbook. There should be one in the hands of every person in every household that gives them sufficient knowledge relating to how to respond to air raids and disaster prevention. Starting with communities, people one by one should have a concept of national defence. If there is a sense of national defence, then one more citizen will become the vanguard of our military. Cross-strait relations are becoming increasingly tense and the US is paying close attention. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on Thursday met with Wang Yi, the director of the Chinese Communist Party Central Committee Foreign Affairs Commission Office. In the meeting, Sullivan reiterated that the US would work to abide by its One China policy in accordance with the Taiwan Relations Act and oppose any unilateral changes to the status quo. He also expressed hope that differences between the two sides of the Taiwan Strait could be resolved peacefully. General Mark Milley, the chairman of the US Joint Chiefs of Staff, also expressed his views about the Taiwan Strait at a congressional hearing. I think that what Putin has done is an illegal direct assault on that order. And if, uh, and if he's allowed to succeed in that, China will learn certain lessons. And, and it may not be the single decisive point, but I think it will calculate into their decision-making process uh, as to whether or not they attack to seize the island of Taiwan. So I think the outcome of Ukraine is critical to uh, much broader issues than just Ukraine. Taiwan can also learn from the Ukraine experience in its war with Russia and speed up preparations so it can respond to anything China might do. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said Tuesday that Washington is looking to cooperate with China to solve big challenges. His remarks come as China prepares to send an envoy to Ukraine for peace talks. Meanwhile, the U.S. is providing Ukraine with $1.2 billion in military aid ahead of its expected spring offensive against Russia. Voice of America's Nike Ching has more. Russian forces attacked Kyiv with a barrage of missiles hours before Russian President Vladimir Putin gave a speech at the Victory Day parade in Moscow's Red Square, accusing the West of waging a real war against Russia. In Washington, the Pentagon said the U.S. will provide Ukraine with $1.2 billion in military aid, ahead of its expected spring offensive against Russia. 
Right now, of course, the focus is on the Ukrainian efforts that we anticipate to try to retake more of the territory that's been seized uh, from Ukraine by Russia over the last um, the last 14 plus months. My own estimation is that uh, they um, have in place across all of those dimensions uh, what they need to continue to be successful in regaining territory. Ukraine's spring offensive against Russia may pave the way for negotiations by the end of the year, officials say. In Europe, officials said China could play a part. China, as a permanent member of the United Nations Security Council, can play a significant role in ending the war if it chooses to do so. Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang said Tuesday that China is preparing to send a peace envoy to Ukraine. We will persist in promoting peace talks, and we will send the Chinese government special envoy for Eurasian affairs to visit Ukraine in the near future. But one analyst is skeptical. The Chinese are not neutral. They are not unbiased. They are clearly tilted, much tilted, uh, toward Russia. The, the key caution um, is uh, to be sure that any conversation with the Chinese um, about the Ukraine war, the Russian war on Ukraine, uh, has the Ukrainians as participants. U.S. officials say there is a role for China to play in mediating peace talks. But such diplomatic efforts should be consistent with the principles of sovereignty and territorial integrity. Nike Chin, VOA News, Washington. Taiwan and Somaliland established representative offices in each other's territories three years ago, but due to COVID, bilateral exchanges were rather limited. On Friday, lawmakers, lawmaker in Taiwan established a parliamentary friendship association to boost ties. The group is headed by Lin Jingyi, who previously worked as a medical worker in Somaliland. Lin recently tested positive for COVID, so on Friday, she voiced her hopes for the group in a pre-recorded video message. Let's hear from her. In face of China's threats to our democracy, economy and peace, we are extremely grateful to have one more friend, Somaliland. Many countries in Africa are cooperating with China's Belt and Road Initiative, but their engagement with that has led to economic and political problems. We adhere to the spirit of real diplomacy and mutual help when engaging with the international community. There's cooperation in medicine, fisheries, agriculture and telecommunications. We also offer scholarships. Currently, there are 50-something scholars from Somaliland studying in Taiwan. We want to deepen and broaden our cooperation. It's the closest country to Taiwan in Africa. It's poised to become Taiwan's gateway to East Africa. 19 African countries with a combined population of 500 million people. Somaliland has been self-governing since 1991 when it declared independence from Somalia. It has abundant natural resources, including oil. Already, Taiwan's state-run refiner CPC has signed an agreement with the government of Somaliland to launch prospecting operations. Lawmakers hope the Amity Association will further boost Taiwan-Somaliland ties. 
President Tsai Ing-wen and Foreign Minister Joseph Wu attended a Christian prayer breakfast event on Friday, which had been on hiatus for three years due to the pandemic. In her address to participants, Tsai praised the church for being a force for stability in Taiwan. Security was on high alert at the event, however, as just one day before, Wu had received death threats from netizens. A congregation of more than 400 Christians came together on Friday to pray for the country. After three years of COVID, this prayer breakfast event is back on with the attendance of President Tsai Ing-wen. COVID has been downgraded in Taiwan, so we can finally join our sisters and brothers from Taiwan and abroad in this prayer breakfast. Praying for our nation and for the world is especially meaningful. The church is a force that supports social stability in Taiwan. With this spirit, I also serve our country and ensure peace. Tsai gave a dedication to Doris Bruham, a U.S. educator and missionary who's worked in Taiwan for more than 70 years. Doris Brewer actually turned down not one but several suitors. You know why she said no? It's because they would ask her to leave Taiwan with them, and she decided to stay here with us. President Tsai's words drew laughs from the audience. Tsai was joined at the event by Foreign Minister Joseph Wu, who recently received nine messages from internet users threatening to kill his entire family. Security was on high alert. Yesterday, death threats were sent to the minister's official page. We have presented them to the police. If we have different opinions, we can talk it out. Resorting to violent threats will not be tolerated. I think the police will handle the matter appropriately, be it the security aspect or any relevant procedures. It's not the first time that the minister receives death threats. His office says such behaviour will not be tolerated, adding that the police was on the case. Friday was the birthday of Matsu, which was celebrated at temples all over Taiwan. In the north, the festivities took on a particularly political flavor. In Taipei, DPP's presidential candidate Lai Qingde prayed to the sea goddess alongside Jiang Wan'an, the KMT mayor of Taipei. Both of them were joined by legislative candidates from their respective parties. Over in New Taipei, the two main potential picks for the KMT's presidential nomination attended a ceremony in Banqiao where they touted their religious upbringings. To celebrate Matsu's birthday, Vice President Lai Qingde joined worshippers at Songshan's Tsuyo Temple. I pray that Matsu will be merciful and use her power to protect Taiwan and its people to calm the storm. The goddess's birthday is a major religious event. Lai prayed shoulder to shoulder with Taipei Mayor Jiang Wan'an. Also present was DPP legislative candidate Xu Shuhua and her KMT rival Xu Qiaoxin. Election season is starting to get into full swing. <laughs> Meanwhile, potential KMT presidential candidate Terry Goh visited his birthplace of Banqiao in New Taipei 
and prayed at Sihui Temple with New Taipei Mayor Ho Yo Yi, who is also vying for the party's nomination. The two shook hands vigorously while posing for media. I'm Ah Ming from the Matsu Temple. I was born and brought up here. I grew here. This is where my roots lie. Matsu can bring us cross straight peace. Matsu has seen me grow up. We should be united and march forward together as a family. The two politicians spoke on their religious upbringing. With the elections drawing closer and closer, both potential nominees are stepping up their campaigning. Lawmakers passed new legislation on Friday to crack down on ticket scalpers. The amendment now defines scalping as reselling tickets above their face value. Fines will be between 10 and 50 times the price of the tickets, depending on the amount that the violator purchased. It also stipulates a three-year prison sentence and or fines of 3 million NT for using bots and software to buy large quantities of tickets. Let's hear some reactions to the new legislation. Tickets for Megaport Festival sold in less than 10 seconds. Within one minute of them selling out, I saw them go on a ticket reselling website. Tickets with a face value of 2,500 NT went for 6,000 NT, and that was the cheapest price. 20 minutes later, they were selling for more than 10,000 NT. I think this law is fair. If you sell it for even one NT more, it counts as scalping. I think it's a good start. The concert economy is only just starting to take off in Kaohsiung. But these scams and unscrupulous scalpers are a fly in the ointment. The issue of scalpers became a hot topic earlier this year ahead of a concert by South Korean girl group Blackpink in Kaohsiung. Tickets sold out fast with resale prices topping 400,000 NT. That was also the case where tickets for a May Day concert with a face value of 2,280 NT were up for sale for almost 1 million NT. The two instances sparked public outrage with calls for regulations and stiffer penalties to prevent scalpers from taking advantage of what is supposed to be an enjoyable experience. Now we have a heartwarming story of friendship across borders. The Penghu International Fireworks Festival attracts thousands of visitors to the golden beaches of the islands. This year, one U.S. visitor who didn't speak Chinese struck up an unlikely friendship at the event. She and taxi driver Wei Rei Fu managed to communicate without a common language. She was able to enjoy a festival in a country that was completely foreign to her thanks to the patient hospitality of a cab driver committed to making her feel welcome. A spectacular fireworks display explodes over the sea. Penghu International Fireworks Festival attracts huge crowds to the outlying island. One U.S. traveler filmed this video after her visit, telling the story of her meeting with a Penghu resident. I said, me? The taxi driver was like, <laughs> And I said, 你有line吗? And then I pulled up my line messaging app. 
So I added him online and I kept messaging him all the time. She explained how she struck up a great friendship with her taxi driver. Although the two didn't have a shared language, she managed to let him know where she was going by forwarding him the address of her destinations. I can't speak Chinese and he couldn't speak English. But this is what our conversations would go like. Wei, ni hao. Ni hao. Wo zheng zai he cafe. Cafe o. Dui. Okay, hao. And then I would just send him the location of wherever I was at, and it worked! And this is the cabbie who made such a big impression. Although Wei Reifu doesn't count English in his skill set, he was determined to get his client safely to her destination. She flew halfway around the world to get here. We took more care because she was a total stranger here and didn't know anyone, right? We didn't share a language, but we somehow understood each other on a heart level. Wei explains that thousands of tourists descend on Penghu on each day of the fireworks festival. It can be tricky for a Taiwanese visitor to hail a ride, let alone a tourist from abroad. She was afraid she wouldn't be able to get a taxi again, so she added me online so she could contact me. It's hard to call a taxi round here. While the traveler is now back home in the US, the two continue to share updates online, in the form of photos from their daily life. This friendship without words has left one visitor with the warmest possible memories of the people of Taiwan. The new Taipei Riverside Butterfly Festival has kicked off. Now in its fourth year, the festival offers more than a month of outdoor summertime fun and relaxation. New Taipei's Riverside Park has sprouted with art installations themed on the butterfly in all the stages of its life. Food stalls, arts and craft activities, carnival games and music concerts round out the festival to a destination for family outings. A gentle breeze blows over the lawn. Families are picnicking in the cool shade of the trees. Children play with bicycles and some families put up tents. The annual New Taipei Riverside Butterfly Festival has begun. This is the best time to come until 8 or 9 p.m. Everyone is welcome. Choose twilight. It's the best time. And it so happens it's the eve of Mother's Day. You can come to take a stroll on the riverside. Bring your mom. Bring your whole family. The wings of the butterfly goddess sculpture flap in the breeze, an irresistible photo opportunity. And there's lots more land-based art of different kinds all around the site. The festival began on May 6th and will run for 37 days. There are five large themed areas with designated photo spots, as well as snack stalls, music concerts, carnival games and opportunities for parents and children to make art together. Alongside the land art exhibitions, we also have light art shows in the evening, every day from 6 to 10 p.m. The whole festival lasts from May 6 to June 11. Everyone is welcome to come to the Riverside Park to take a walk around and see everything. There will be live performances by musical groups, providing a way to enjoy the summer evenings in New Taipei. The butterfly symbolizes coming out of your cocoon transformed and gathering courage to spread your new wings. There are many cocoa farms in southern Taiwan, 
but one farm has developed a very special cocoa banquet. Chef Zhu Ru has themed the entire menu on cocoa. The bean shows up in both sweet and savory dishes, bringing a rich fruit note to other homegrown ingredients. Even the cocoa leaves are used in a traditional indigenous recipe, which you might not have ever tried before. Tourists converge on this cocoa farm for a scenic meal. You can try chocolate ice cream, grown in Taiwan cocoa beans, and even cocoa-smoked streaky pork. It has a slight savory fragrance, and you can taste that sweet, fresh pork flavor. There's also a unique chicken dish. Free-range chicken is fried on a hot flame to get nice and crispy skin. Then it's stir-fried with cocoa syrup that's made right here on the farm. The cocoa has notes of many different fruit flavors, like sugar apples, lychees, and mangosteens. When you put it with a free-range chicken, the meat is more tender. The mixture of sweet and savory flavors is brilliant. The jinafu is an indigenous Taiwanese tradition. Various ingredients include millet, chestnuts, and meat, are wrapped tightly in a cocoa leaf, then steamed. When the parcel is opened, the air fills with an irresistible aroma. I've never had this before. I think it tastes fantastic. We wrap the ingredients straight in the cocoa leaf. When you steam them, it brings in the fragrance of the cocoa leaves. And the feast is served. The cocoa banquet invented at this farm uses this one little bean to elevate the flavors of all these simple local ingredients, giving visitors a unique culinary experience. Taiwan weightlifter Luo Yingyuan has bagged two gold medals and one silver at the Asian Weightlifting Championships in South Korea, where she competed in the 87-kilogram category. She won gold for her 110-kilogram snatch and silver for her 131-kilogram clean and jerk, with a gold for the combined total of 241 kilograms. Loa started off her snatch lift attempts with 105 kilograms, the heaviest weight among all the seven participants. In the end, she raised it to 110 kilograms, snatching gold. Over in the clean and jerk, her 131-kilogram lift fell just one kilogram short of the top spot. Still, her combined lift was higher than the gold winner in the clean and jerk, allowing her to seize another gold.